The Scottish Mortgage Podcast Invest in Progress is back. Join the managers and their guests as they go behind the scenes of some of the most innovative companies of our time. Companies like Climeworks, who are pioneering technology to remove carbon dioxide from the air. Or Zobi, who are at the forefront of a new era of aviation developing electric air taxis. Or Aurora, who are building software so that trucks can drive themselves. Hear from the leaders of these exceptional businesses on their vision and what the world could look like if they succeed. Available now on all major platforms. Your capital is at risk. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to The Advice Show. I'm Zach, a reporter at New Model Advisor. I'm joined today by data reporter Alicia Hagopian. And today we're talking about lifestyle financial planning, how clients can get the most out of retirement and what extraordinary tales it can lead to. David, thank you so much for joining us. I'm joined by David Lamb from Lamb Financial. Hello. First, I have to bring up, um, we had a story in New Model Advisor a few weeks ago based on an interview that I had with David. A, a fascinating interview, I'm sure he won't mind me saying. And uh, it was all to do with an escaped monkey um, that was found uh, last month, I believe, um, in the Scottish Highlands. Um, David, could you just talk us through what on earth happened? Well, going back to the... The work we did with the client it was a, a lovely lady who had recently been widowed this this going back nearly four years she didn't have any family no no brothers sisters cousins nephews nieces and after about a year or so i was asking her what was all this money for that she had and she said well I'm just going to leave the charities in my will. And there was the Cancer Trusts and Heart, British Heart Foundation and the Dogs Trust. And I said, but Louis, you could live another 25 years. That's a lot of dogs that are going to suffer in that time. Why don't we think about giving some money now? Give with a warm hand and not a, a cold hand. And she thought that was a really, really good idea. And face lit up and... Then I said, well, but this wasn't just your money. It was Norman's money as well. What was close to him? And she said, oh, well, his passions were the Scottish Highlands, the Scottish mountains and hill walking and scouting and rugby. So to cut a long story short, we eventually decided to give money to a, a outdoor training centre called Glenmore Lodge to run a course in her husband's name for underprivileged kids to help them get into the mountains in, and then train them in mountain skills and I just said as a joke afterwards you know if we're going to help the kids get into the mountains we should really help them get out of the mountains if something goes <laughs> wrong so <laughs> she said yes let's talk to Ken Go Mountain Rescue so we got in touch with Ken Go Mountain Rescue and we said look we told them the kind of money Louis was thinking about donating what would you do with the money or we would buy a drone. So they bought the drone. They had it for about a month, I think, before they could use it because it had to get insured. And then I was talking to a friend of mine who's a, a fireman up in Inverness, and he was telling me that he'd been on a job south of Inverness in the summer where there'd been a, a big moorland fire, and he said there was black smoke everywhere, and he said it was really difficult because the fireman couldn't see what was happening. And then he said... But Ken Go Mountain Rescue have got a new drone. I said, well, you don't say. I'll tell you about that drone. <laughs> so then and he said to me, well, you need to tell your client that is going to save somebody's life one day. And then she, 
Louis got into the one of the Scottish or a couple of the Scottish papers um, about times where the drone had been used, and it was all nice, and it was like you know, Wesley Louis, one day your donation is going to save a life. We did think it was going to be human life, not a monkey life, but <laughs> then um, it was just one Tuesday night. I was driving home from work, and the news was on, and they were saying as a a monkey escaped from King Craig Wildlife Park and Cairngorm Mountain Rescue are using their drone to help search for it. And I was like, oh, hang on a minute. So straight on the phone to Louie. Louie, have you heard the news? She says, I've just heard it. That's our drone. I'm thinking, well, no, Louie, it's your drone, not mine. <laughs> so over the next few days, we had a lot of fun sharing news, sharing photos that were on the internet of monkeys and kilts. And you know, it, <laughs> from meeting Louis, you know, not long after her, her husband had died, to having this fun, it, it, it was just lovely. And you know, you can have. It, it's just nice to have fun with clients. Um, yeah, it was, it was just lovely. And um, Louis said, "Oh, I saw." F uh, the, the news when the monkey had been recaptured, she said it looked very sorry for itself. And I said, yeah, you, you've probably saved that animal's life. Uh, all, all, really, all to... I did was give Louis the, 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 the confidence to gift the money and arrange a Zoom meeting, really. That's as much as I did. <laughs> yeah, and, and obviously you play that down, but you know that is the role of a financial planner and, and sort of what we wanted the theme to be the episode about today was, you know, it's not just about um, trying to grow your assets and, um, you know, not having those face-to-face -face interactions with a client where they realize how much their money can do for them, what, what that, their life means. That's right. And I think when you get into proper lifestyle financial planning, you basically have two clients, accumulate two types of client, accumulators and decumulators. And the decumulators are the fun clients to work with because you're getting them to spend the money and, you know, whether it's gifting money like Louis did or go on holiday or, you know, that's fun. And a lot of clients don't expect that from a financial advisor because they think financial advisors are, are all about accumulating money and taking a, a cut off the the percentages the, the investments grow by. Um, but then you've got to learn how to give the clients the confidence to decumulate their money without the fear of running out and what i quite often do is get them to understand that it's, it's nothing special it's but the re one of the reasons you find it's difficult to decumulate is because you're changing the way you've your brain's always worked so what i do and i'll do this with you now is i get my clients to fold their arms so fold your arms sorry yeah now fo in. now fold them the other way Oh, it's difficult, isn't it? Exactly. It's because <laughs> your brain is wired to fold them like that. And when I come along and tell you to do it the other way, the brain doesn't like it. And it's the same with, with money. Your brain's spent most of your life accumulating, accumulating. And then when we come along and say, no, now it's the time you've saved all that money. Up, but what are you going to do with it? You now start to decumulate. And the brain's going, oh, I don't like that. Don't like that. So cash flow modeling really helps in the coaching to help them decumulate. I think it's really, really stuck with me what you just said, you know, giving something with a 
warm hand instead of a cold hand, I think you said. Very gripping imagery. Um, yeah. But I think that, you know, that must be something you come across quite often. And I think it's actually, you're right that it's surprisingly rare. I mean, a lot of people have all these aspirations to be giving to charity and it's incredibly rare that they end up doing so before they die to that sort of degree. I mean, the thousands are given to like a drone in that in that instance. And I guess, what is it that you think is sort of holding clients back from that? And as you said, that fear of, of not having enough and how do you actually, what are the conversations that you have that you sort of calm them down and say, you deserve to sort of see the benefits of your money helping someone else while you're still here? I think it's, it's two main factors. The first one is, I think the, the financial service industry has got people conned into thinking they need to accumulate and accumulate and accumulate more money. But they don't. And I, I had a telephone call from somebody who said, oh, I've got somebody that's interested in buying your business. And I said, but the, the problem with that is you base the value of my business on the 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 income we get from our funds under management. But and, and that's completely wrong because you're basing the value of my business on the value of other people's money, other people's money that I should be getting them to spend. And, and, and this agent said, well, why are you getting them to do that? Why are you getting them to spend their money? Well, because that's what it's for. That's all. You can't do anything else with money other than spend it. And whilst, it's in, whilst that money is invested in people's investments, if they're never going to spend it, it's not doing them any good because it's tied up in their investments. So they're not, you know, they're not seeing any benefit from it. And it's not doing their children any good because they can't spend it because it's tied up in their parents' investments. But if you're never going to spend it, give it away now. And, and it's something that clients don't realise that, you know, I'll say to a client, you know, if you live to age 100, how old will your kids be when they inherit? They're usually going to be in their 70s. Well, it's too late to inherit then. They've paid their mortgages off. They've put the kids through school, university, weddings, all that kind of stuff. When they don't need the money, they get it. Well, get it to them before. But as I say, you've got to give them the confidence that they know they can give the money away without running out. And that's, you, you, you've got to get them to under, um, work out how much they would feel confident with um, as a minimum amount in their, 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 their assets or, or, or their, their, their liquid assets, their cash, their investments. And it's not a, it's not, it's not a, a mathematical question. It's a more an emotional question. What's the what's the minimum amount you would want? so that if you went below that, you would start to worry about money. And what we do with the cash flow modeling is we say, right, we're going to do these projections to get you to spend more money, but you're never going to drop below that, that amount. So I think that, you know, you, you just mentioned a second ago about how a lot of clients might be sort of interested in passing their money along to their children, but people are living longer. So that sort of point at which they're passing along that money gets later and later so I guess one of the ways that that money can be used to pay off your children's mortgages I'm wondering sort of what are the other ways that your clients are interested in spending that money that might be more typical like paying a child's mortgages or medical bills or maybe buying a second home are there any other trends that you see so, 
Yes, and, and <laughs> it's still monkey related. <laughs> we about thirteen years ago, I was sat with clients and I said, "Look, how much do you want to leave?" And at the time, the 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 maximum you could leave without paying inheritance tax was six hundred and fifty thousand. So we worked out how much they could spend over the next 10 years with without dropping below 650,000 and it was on average 30,000 pounds a year and he said straight away oh well I'll go and buy a new car then and I said well for inheritance tax purposes you need to get a car that has high depreciation I said really what you need to do is go on holiday more and then his wife started to get a, a little bit uncomfortable and she said oh, I'm sick of driving around Europe and I'm sick of going on cruises and I said, yeah, but it's a big wide world out there. Why don't you go f further afield? <laughs> and because I got on really well with them, and, and I still do, um, I managed to get out that she was scared of flying. So I was driving home and I was saying, well, what do we do here? And then I remembered a friend of mine was scared of flying and Virgin were doing flying phobia courses from Newcastle Airport. So I Googled that, sent them the link to this course to cut a long story short, the, she went on the course at Newcastle Airport in the February. And then in the May, we got a postcard from them with orangutans on because they were in Borneo <laughs> seeing the orangutans in the wild because that was on the top of his bucket list. And then the following month, they were, went to Barcelona for a long weekend with friends because now they've got over this. And... Over the next 10 years, they were, had four or five holidays a year. But as they got older, the, the flights got shorter and shorter. But they only just got back into the country before lockdown. But about five years ago, their son-in-law was diagnosed with cancer. And I think he only had about nine months to live. Um, but he had a fantastic attitude. He basically said to the doctors, look... You give me the poison, I'll do the rest. And he lasted about two years. But when when he did die, his wife, the client's daughter, was going to struggle financially. And um, so some of the money that they were able to, this 30000 a year, on average, they were going to be spending, that went to the, the daughter to help them. But the, the sting in the tail with that story is, that client's now got vascular dementia, so no more holidays. So, you know, as Paul Armstrong says, it was, you know, to have life's not a rehearsal and, and, and the clock's ticking. At least we got them to have those holidays. And, and um, yeah, but again, love, a, a, a lovely couple and, and again, ape-related. <laughs> and in terms of, you know, uh, how advisors can practically... Um, ensure that they are, you know, um, having a lifestyle approach to financial planning. Could you talk us through um, the tools that you use on a day-to-day -day basis, um, including ScoreMy, which um, Land Financial has developed as well? Okay. But the, 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 the main software is cash flow modeling. You, you've, you've got to be really proficient at, at that because without cash flow modeling, you, you can't do any of this. Really? And... The, the the tools we've used for a long time was the standard, you know, fact finding, all that kind of boring stuff. But 
bucket lists were really important. And it started off as a joke, but as we start, as, as I did a bit of research on bucket lists to 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 write blogs and things, that's become an essential part of the estate planning process. Because ultimately, what financial planning is about is making sure you, the client isn't a hundred years old, and they've got one foot in the box, and they're looking back over their life, and they've got loads of money that they, they never used. That that's that's just a waste. Yeah. So you've got to. Yeah. You've got to have really, you've got to get really close to the client to have in-depth conversations. But some of the conversations I had were taking me out of my comfort zone where I haven't had the training from being a financial planner into almost being a, a therapist or a, a counsellor. And I think, with a, as my garage says, with a little bit of knowledge, you can do a lot of harm. Yeah. And... So, I, I was looking at how can we analyze a client's lifestyle. So, we came up with this lifestyle wheel, which covers physical health, emotional health, relationships, time, personal fulfillment, career, fun and recreation, money and money management, and then abundance. And then we can... We can get the clients to, to score where they feel as though they are. And then they get a, basically, it's we call it lifestyle wheel. It's, it's a web chart. And if they've got a really round wheel, they've got a nice balanced lifestyle, and we've got to keep that. But if there are any, any areas where the score is short, we, we can have a conversation with the client. What do we need, we need to do to improve the scores? And so we can have some really good conversations, but... We're always in control because the lifestyle wheel brings it back into financial planning. And yes, you have some really in-depth conversations with clients and can be quite emotional, like like with the clients I mentioned. But ultimately, what, what we need from a financial planner's point of view is, what are you going to do with your life to make it better or to maintain it? What are the financial implications? And what are the timescales? And then we build that into the the, the, the cash flow projections. And during the time I was building this lifestyle wheel, I'm also thinking, how do we measure our value? Because we used to wait for a new model advisor to come out every week to look at the, when they were analysing different financial planning firms. And I don't know if you remember that, but they used to put in... Um, what they had under management, how many staff they had, what the turnover was. And that was interesting because we could work out their their efficiency ratios, what their turnover was to compare the number of staff. But they also used to go through their their charges. And I, I, I quite often used to read advisors saying, well, we might be more expensive, but we provide better value for money. And I'm thinking, well, it's not up to us as the advisor to determine whether we provide value for money for or not. We've got to yeah. give a good service and hope the client sees the value for money. So I was like, how can we how can we measure the value of our service so so we can quantify it? The problem with lifestyle financial planning is people don't understand it until you experience it. So how do you get people to experience it 
if they don't understand it, there's that chicken and the egg. And so yeah. I came up with, right, if we just ask them 10 questions on financial planning, not products, but f- proper financial planning, get them to get a score, and then they realize what it is. And that's, we eventually, over four or five years, developed the score my question sets. So the way it works tends to work. If you, at, we, we send the clients this these questions electronically, takes them two minutes to fill in, a lot of new clients commonly get 30-40% and then we say to them our job is to get you 90-100% to 100%. and so we take them through the financial planning process we ask them to do the questions again at the end of that process and they should be scoring higher if they don't we get sacked but if they score 30% initially and 70% later on, that's the value of our fee. Can you give us an idea of how many firms are currently using ScoreWire? Is it just Lamp for now? I think there's about 150 now. And I think we've got another... Because um, we're still... We originally had 60 beta testers. We've got a, we brought a few more on and we've got a few more on the waiting list. And is and can I ask about, um, about how that's... Is that charged to the advice firm for a, a flat fee or is that... Or it's is just that... a monthly fee and... Just um, a monthly fee. If, if, if they don't like it, then get out after 30 days. Um, but it, it's, it's gone down really well so far. And we've got people in... Australia, Malaya, Canada. I've spoken to two or three people in California who are using it. We had our first one sign up in Germany. And it's like, it's just a bit weird because this just started out on an Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> I just wanted to go back to what you were saying earlier, David, um, about your um, your fees. And I just wanted to clarify. So you charge a percentage, a small percentage AUM fee, right? And then you sort of charge based on how many hours you're spending with the clients. I just wanted to know like when you started doing this model because it is a bit alternative. Oh, about 14 years ago. And we went through a massive amount of pain. And so other advisors were saying to me, working like that is financial suicide. And I, I remember thinking at the time, yeah, you might be right, but... Um, and if we don't get that invoice paid next week, we've got serious problems. Um, because people don't like writing a check for financial advice. But when they see the value of the, the lifestyle financial planning, especially now we can give them score my so that they can quantify the value, it's 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 a lot easier now. And I know other advisors say we, we don't charge enough. But um, and maybe we don't because we don't get any complaints about charges now. <laughs> Just on that as well, because then if that means that also you're, you're lapse charging based on the hours you spend, I mean, from what it sounds like with everything with School My and everything around that, you're really trying to dig into the individual client's yeah. preferences and needs. Um, as you said, from a lifestyle perspective, other clients, how do the clients feel about you know, paying for more time with you? Are, do they often ask for more time in a year or is it sort of one-off in the year? Well, whilst all our fees are time-costed calculated, it's a series of fixed fees. So it's not 
it's it's not like my wife who's a lawyer who they're scared to to get the invoice at the end of the month um they do have quite a bit of certainty um and i think because they're seeing the value in it that that they're quite happy to pay but i do think it's important that you split the fees from the financial planning from the financial advice i don't think you should be paying for the financial advice out of the product i think they should be co co completely separate because i think the client's got to understand that you're there to help them get the lifestyle that they want and they're, they're quite happy to pay you for that but if they thought you were just trying to sell them things to get the 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 fee from the product to cover the financial advice i think that would put them off they, they they much prefer it being separate and 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 i just think you should split financial planning from financial advice and the two should be charged completely separately that's that's really interesting and um those that clarity over fees is even more relevant um with the advent of consumer duty yeah um as well I wanted to ask you whether you think um, lifestyle financial planning is is harder to do for larger national firms. You know, when they've got so many clients to service, um, and uh, and you know, it might not be possible to have that relationship with every single client. I wanted to ask what your thoughts were there. It's difficult, um, and I think you know when you mention big companies, I think St James's Place, they are probably. Uh, in a good place to provide that close service because th 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 their advisors do get close to their clients as well. But for, for a big organisation where clients are allocated an advisor and they're moving on every three or four years, I, I, I think it's going to be very difficult to get to that close personal relationship. Thank you so much for your time, uh, David. That was fantastic. Pleasure. Thank you very much for coming on today. Lovely. Thank you. You've been listening to The Advice Show with myself, data reporter Alicia Hagopian, and David Lamb, Managing Director of Lamb Financial. For any questions, please feel free to tweet us at New Model Advisor or email us at nmateam at citywire.co.uk. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. The Scottish Mortgage Podcast Invests in Progress is back. Join the managers and their guests as they go behind the scenes of some of the most innovative companies of our time. Companies like Climeworks, who are pioneering technology to remove carbon dioxide from the air. Or Zobi, who are at the forefront of a new era of aviation developing electric air taxis. Or Aurora, who are building software so that trucks can drive themselves. Hear from the leaders of these exceptional businesses on their vision and what the world could look like if they succeed. Available now on all major platforms. Your capital is at risk.